Now let us turn our Bibles as we continue in First Samuel, right? First Samuel chapter 15. First Samuel chapter 15. Now many of us are not familiar with the scene where, well, you walk into a room. There's shattered glass all over the floor, right? Something's broken. And then you ask the person in the room, what did you do? What will the person say? Very often, I didn't do it, all right? It's not me. Well, parents, you know, it's common. It's brother or sister who is not in the room to defend themselves. Well, it's very convenient to have a pet. Maybe that's why children want to have pets. Look at the dog, right? Look at the dog. And the dog would tilt his head and look at you in return. What? It's not me. Well, we are people that like to blame. Play the blame game. That's the title today. The blame game. Whenever we are found guilty or suspected to be guilty, all right, we play the blame game. What's the blame game? Well, it's when an individual or group of people, well, they assign blame to someone else or another group of people, right? For the problem, the failure, in our case, sin, all right? We love to blame others. Now, in this scene, this is exactly the game that Saul, King Saul was playing, right? We laugh at how children blame their dogs. When teachers say, where's the homework? Dog ate it, all right? Now, once I didn't pay a bill, Right, didn't pay a bill. Um, it was overdue, and there was a fine for it. And then we yeah, live in Singapore. That it's very humid, so there are lots of um, um, creatures right in the garden. So I was wondering why didn't I receive that 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 reminder at all? And then I went to the letterbox, opened it, and said, "Oh, it's all eaten up by snails, <laughs> by snails." Lots of snails in the garden. Well, I really wanted to tell them, the snail ate it up, right? It was real. But, well, jokes aside, it is not a funny thing. It's a very serious scene, the blame game, and we are all very used to that. Now, in fact, I would say, as we'll see later on, we'll see later on, one of the very first sins that man committed after the fall. You remember what it was? After the fall, was to blame each other. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. The blame, the blame um, attitude in us is part of the fallen nature. That is what we inherit. That's one of the first things that men would do when confronted by God for their fault, for their sin. Now, it's something that is very rife in men, in each one of us. Even after salvation, we need to fight against this, this horrible, horrible sin, and we'll see why it is horrible. So that is what we want to learn from this passage. Now, first we want to learn, now, the characteristics of this nature of blaming, all right? The blame game. How do we play it? And be honest and, and really observe, is this what I'm doing? And parents, don't, 
Don't be thinking of your child. Yeah, that's exactly my child. And tonight when we go home, that's what I'm going to remind my child. Look into your own heart as well. All right? Now, the first characteristic. First characteristic. And now look at verse 13. All right? Chapter 15, verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and, um, and Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I have performed. And we saw last week, right? He did not kill Agag. He did not utterly destroy Cherem. Everything. He did not. But here he would run, well, to quickly come to Samuel and say, Well, blessed be the Lord. Uh, blessed be thou of the Lord God. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now then, if you look further, all right, look at verse 20. Now when confronted further, verse 20, And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone the way of the Lord. I have, I have, I've done that. Now, the first characteristic that we must be observant in ourselves is, it is the sin of denial, right? The first D, denial. Now, he knew that he, has, he had, did not utterly destroy all. Now, you know what's the best kind of denial? Before anyone asks you, Right? We often think denial means when someone asks us, no. Denial means you already know you have not done something or you have done something wrong. And before I even question, you deny it. Somehow you know that question is going to be raised. You bring it up first. That's the best form of denial, right? Look at verse 13. Straight away, he went to Samuel. Oh, oh, Samuel is here. First, well, try to make Samuel feel good. Well, blessed be thou of the Lord. Then he said, I have performed. Deny. Deny. Hoping that by saying that, well, the question will not come up. Oh, oh you done it already? Oh, okay. Right, children? Daddy and mommy say specifically to do something or not to do something. Or to do something. And then daddy and mommy comes out, you run to the door. I've done it already. Right, see mom, dad. Wow, mom, you look so beautiful today, by the way. Right? And dad, you look ultra handsome as well. Then you run away. Denial. Right? Quickly deny responsibility first. And hopefully, it just goes away. But now, Saul, Samuel would not let it go. Denial. Now look at verse, uh, verse 15. And Saul said, it's uh, verse 15, uh, not there. All right, verse 14. And Samuel said, verse 14, what meaneth then? Then you tell me this, right? What meaneth then? This bleating of the sheep in my ears and lowing of the oxen which are here. Now, if you said you have done that, if, if you're denying that you did not obey the Lord, then explain to me. I hear the sheep. I, I hear the oxen. Or maybe he even smell the animals. Then, then explain to me what this is. All right? Now, and then verse 15, and Saul said, now he began to, to say things again. Now, notice in verse 16, then Samuel said unto Saul, stay. What is he saying? Stay. Now, stop it. Stop it. Stop denying. The, you know, the proverbial phrase, the smoking gun, right? The smoking gun. Maybe Christians say the, the bleeding of the sheep instead. The bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the, of the oxen. The evidence is there. 
Now stop it. That is why in verse 15, uh, sorry, in verse 16, um, Saul will say, uh, all right, say on, say on, all right, say on. I, I won't interrupt you. I'll carry on, carry on. Say, say what you want to say. Right? Denial is like that. We will go on until, well, we are told, stop, stop, enough already. Now, Samuel, as Saul, was given opportunities, several opportunities. Now, we say stop. And then he said, well, you say on. And then when Samuel continued to, to, to re-emphasize what has been said, look at verse 17. Uh, sorry, verse, uh, verse 18. The Lord sent thee on a journey and said, oh, the Lord said, go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites, Kerem, utter destruction and fight against them until they are consumed. Now, wherefore then thou didst not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and this evil in the sight of the Lord. So now, is questioned again. But look at verse 20. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way of the Lord that sent me. Now, opportunities and opportunities were given. But the characteristic of blame is this. Because you have already decided in your heart, all right, not to admit now, in order not to admit, you have to deny. And questions after question, you continue to deny. Now, that is the beginning of the blame game. The beginning of the blame game. You have not blamed it on someone else or something else or some situation yet. But it begins there. Watch the rising in the heart, young ones, adults. When you're at work, you know you have done something wrong. All right? Before the blame game starts, this begins in your heart first. Denial. Your boss asks you, or at home, your parents ask you, your spouse asks you, or even your children ask you. The moment you feel like, well, I want to deny, I want to deny, and an opportunity given to admit, I still want to deny. Well, that is, the game has started. Right? The game is on. The game is on. So, what is the second characteristic? The second D, right? The second D is, now, after denial, naturally comes deflection. Deflection, right? Deflected. That is the core of blaming. Now, it's natural because after denying and denying and denying, after obvious evidence is presented, you know you can't deny further. What's the next step to do? Play the game of deflecting. So you see, denying leads you to that next step. Because now you have to deflect. You have denied already, what can you do? And it's exposed. Deflection. Now we see him deflect, right? Look at verse 13. He said, I have performed. I have performed. But I want you to look at um, verse 15. But they, they have brought from the Amalekites you see, it's I and they and the people. I and they and the people. It's going to be constantly like that. They have brought. Now then, you look at um, verse 20. Now I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I have gone the way. But you say, now what? And have brought all this. Now I have done all this. Verse, now verse 21. The people... The people took the spoil. The people. Now, they are the one who did that. 
deflection. Now, whenever you find you catch yourself doing that, just remember, I've started the blame game now. Right? I and then they. I and then they. They brought. The people, look at verse 20. The people are the one. Now, I acknowledge. Now, um, this thing should have been destroyed. I acknowledge it. But it's the people that took. And it's the people that spared. Now, look at verse 15. For the people spared. The people spared Agag. The people versus him. Now, whenever we are caught red-handed, when we are caught red-handed, now, we have no choice. If you want to play the blame game, we have no choice but to, but to strategically um, shift blame, right, by attributing responsibility to someone else, to someone else. But, you know, in this deflection, let's observe our own heart, all right? Don't say, oh, Saul, you're a terrible person. But if you're honest, we play this game very often. Now, another thing about this deflection is this. Now, look at verse 15, all right, verse 15. Now, when it comes to things, now, they said, they have brought, now, and you look at the last part, we have utterly destroyed, all right? The rest, we have utterly destroyed. You see, when we play the deflection game, we are also conscious. Now, I want to take credit as well while I'm deflecting. We have utterly destroyed. We. You see, he included himself in it. Watch how we choose um, all these pronouns. When we begin, I, 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 they, 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 and then we, are we playing the blame game here? Husband and wives, when you are having um, um, a conflict at home, or parents and child, or you at, with a colleague at work, watch the pronouns that you use. We. You see, when it comes to utterly destroying the useless thing, they did utterly destroy. They did cram things, all right? But he wanted to include himself. But things that should not have been done is they and the people. They and the people. Now, when we are people who play the blame game, we also want to look good. We also want to look good. I say, but I, I did do this as well, all right? Now, all these are things that will take credit, where we can take credit, and where, we, where, where there is a machine, we quickly deflect. Now, so the first one, he deflected, he deflected, um, to people, all right? So, we say, what, what can, when I play the blame game, how is my deflection like? Well, we can deflect to people, they, the people, all right? Now, but I want you to notice that, so, that Samuel, all right, with the Holy Spirit in him, revealing to him, was very clear. Look at verse 17, all right? And Samuel said, when thou, he used the singular. Look at verse 19, Wherefore then did thou, all right, verse 18, God sent thee. Now, he keep trying to bring Saul back to himself. It's you, 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 singular. Why are you keep trying to deflect it to other people? Thou. I think it's good for us to remind ourselves. So one is we can deflect to people, all right? So watch that, watch that. Well, like I said, we can also deflect to creatures, dogs, right, or pets. Now, the other one is, in this deflection, Saul also deflected to situations. To situations. Look at verse 24. Look at verse 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord 
and thy words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. I feared the people. You know, the situation is not easy, right? You're caught red-handed. You're trying to take credit for something and deflect it to other people. And hopefully, your parents, your boss, all right, will, will think of someone else, deflect their mind to them, also deflect their mind to situation. Now, we know that this time in chapter 15, verse 4, right? There were 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. 210,000 people. So to Saul, well, that's very easy to blame to the situation. You know, Samuel, so many of them, they fly on the spoil, right? What do you expect me to do? What can I do? I'm just one person. 200 over 1,000 people. What if they kill me? I fear them. I was in a situation where, same excuse earlier on, I'm in a situation where he gave sacrifices. He said, I'm in a situation where, wow, I'm in trouble. The situation is dire. I have to disobey God. Now, do notice one thing. Look at chapter 12. All right, sorry, chapter, um, chapter 13. All right? Verse 11. When he disobeyed God, he knew he disobeyed God. Verse 11. What hast thou done? And Saul said, chapter 13, verse 11. Because I saw the people that were scattered from me, thou, didst not, um, thou camest not uh, within the days appointed, and the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come, now, come down now upon me. I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore. You see, no choice. The situation. The situation. And you are part of the problem, Samuel. You did not come in the time that I was expecting you to come. See, blame the situations. Now, instead, now, here in verse 24, right? Go back to chapter 15, verse 24. Now, in the blame game, in the blame game, there's one thing that we can notice also. I have sinned. I have sinned because I feared. So even in the blame game, even when we acknowledge sin, even when we have to acknowledge sin, we can't run away from it. Now, we will begin eh, to give reason. Well, the, the situation, blame the situation. Now, do we do that? You know, my health, my health does not allow me to do this and that. But we know deep in our heart, we can do many things. Many things that, you know, like parents, you tell a child, well, you got to do that. Oh, Daddy, you know, you know I'm very weak, right? I, I can't carry these things. But when you watch them play, wow, they're stronger than you, right? Lots of excuse. Health. Adults, the same. No, I can't serve. I can't do this. I can't do that. Lots of, but the things that they want to do, they don't talk about this. They can go through it for years and bear with it. They don't complain about it at all. But the moment it has to do with God's things, lots of complaint to the wife or to the husband or to the church or to the parent. Lots of reason, complaints, all right? Health, my health, my health. Don't blame situations when you know in your heart what is going on. Sometimes we blame our financial situation. Now, I'm not saying that there are no real problems, all right? But we have to be very sure, are we playing the blame game? We can afford, we can do many things. But the moment it is, well, has to do with obedience to God, no, I cannot afford. I cannot afford financially, right? We blame situations. Now, we blame, well, problems that arise if we were to obey God. 
explain many situations. So dear friends, this is the blame game characteristics. Are we like that? Now then the third D, the third D, all right? Deception, deception. Now you first deny, then you are faced with the fact that, well, the evidence shows something is wrong. Then you deflect to people and to situations. Now, then finally, you feel that, well, you cannot get out of it already. What else to do? What else can you do? Well, try to deceive, right? Let's look how Saul practices it, all right? To learn, not to learn to do it, all right? To learn that I better be careful if this, what I am doing. Now, look at verse 13. Now, this was not only a denial, this was also a deception in it. Look at verse 13. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now, did he perform the commandment of the Lord? Now, we started in the previous week. Partial obedience is not obedience in God's eye, very clearly. He spared Agag and the best of the animals. And look at what God says in verse 11. Chapter 15, verse 11. It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and he hath not performed my commandments. You see, in Saul's mind, I did destroy. I did, I did perform harem. I did. But only to things that to him are refuse, useless. He did do that. God did say everything. Well, he did some of them. Then I did. Telling half truths, telling half truths. Do you do that frequently? All right? You know you did something wrong at work. You're confronted with the evidence, all right? You know that you did, there were right things that you do as well. And you just keep, well, not only denying, but you come out, you begin to cook a story. Not only about the situation, but about the fact that you, you actually did it. Now, look at how he goes on and on, all right? Look at how he goes on and on. Look at verse 20, all right? Now, yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, have gone the way that the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Now, you see, he said, I did utterly destroy. But it's all half-truths. Now, half-truths, I think, is one of the things that we commonly practice to ease our conscience. You see, the blame, in the blame game, at some point, maybe we still feel quite guilty about it. So, now we come up with half-truths to make ourselves feel better. I did, I did do something. I did do something. Now, this, in this deception, it is not only words that you use to half-truths, right? not just words. He played with words. I did. I did. Now, he also, not just with words, but in deed, in action, in action, perform half-truths. What do I mean by that? In action, perform half-truths. Now, Saul was given clear instructions in the first part of chapter 15, very specific, in great detail by God. And Samuel even told him, now this is the voice of the words of the Lord. And he gave specific, clear, detailed instructions. What to do? What he's not allowed to do. Now you notice that 
Look at verse, um, verse 9. And Saul and the people spared Agag. Saul and the people spared Agag. All right? Now, when you think about this, do you think this is uh, interesting, strange? Because, now, the people, all right, the people, they were so afraid, so afraid of the oath that they made, all right? They, they dare not touch food. Even they were like half dead, still had to go fight the battle. They would not touch food, all right? It was a foolish vow that Saul, in his, um, in his selfishness, all right, made them vow. Now, they are so afraid of breaking that. Now, if the people actually knew there was a harem order, and these are Jews, they, they are familiar with the harem order. Now, utterly destroy harem, as the people, remember when they crossed over Jordan, it was, it was to be, the city was to be harem, utterly destroyed. The point is, God says this, you are not supposed to profit from this. You are not supposed to take anything for your own gain. It's to teach them, when I say harem, means everything belongs to me. Everything is, not, nothing is to be, to be seen and taken as a benefit to you. It's to teach them that. So they are very familiar with the harem concept. But yet, the Bible tells us, and Saul and the people spared Agag and the rest of the option. They did not, they seem to not have heard the harem order. Now in the blame game, we want to do something. But we know that if we were to tell people everything, then when we do something that we are not supposed to do, they may stop us, right? The people being so afraid of the oath, they would be more afraid of this harem order given by God. They would not have done this. Just before this, they were so afraid of the judgment of God for breaking oath. You think they would have gone ahead and do this? Now, what am I trying to say? Now, when we have an intention to do something sinful, somewhere in us, there's a likelihood that we are already ready to play the blame game. And what we will do is this. Don't tell people everything. Well, let them also disobey God. Let them also do that. Parents, I think you're familiar with this concept, right? You walk into the room, and then you told your bigger, your old, oldest, I want you to make sure that you don't run in the room, all right? I don't want anything to be broken. Make sure you know that, all right? And then your eldest goes into the room, all right? Tells the siblings, well, um, let's, let's play, all right? Then they run around and broke the vase and all that. Now, somewhere in the sibling, in the child, when you walk into the room, you know, this child is always like that. It wants to play. It wants to be like that, right? But if the child does not tell everyone else, they get to play. So he gets to play. But when other people play as well, if something goes wrong, he can blame. Now, that is our heart. When you begin to feel that, you know, there's something you shouldn't do, and you begin to, well, do it and rope people in, it's partly because you are, you are creating a situation where you can easily pass on the blame if something goes wrong. Happens at work all the time, all right? Happens in school, happens 
children want to disobey teacher, they get other children involved. The other children didn't hear about the, the commandment, but so when something goes wrong, they will also be blamed, and you can cast the blame on them, right? So you see the game that Saul played, um, the blame game that Saul played. He did not seem to have told the soldiers. Do we withhold some things, all right? Do we withhold something so that we can play the blame game? Now, our minds are like that. When our hearts and minds are set on disobedience, that is how we will behave. That is how we will behave. Right? You have to do that. Remember that you have to do that. You have to behave like Saul because when something goes wrong, you have to be able to blame someone else. So you will, you will subconsciously do that. Now, sometimes at work, something goes wrong. Then you know it is you who have caused the problem. One of the things that we can do to deceive is we begin to create environment and situation where others are involved, right? So that you can blame someone else. Now, I always remember situations like that when I was working. You will eventually do something to cover up. Remember, this person did things to cover up. Went into the system, changed change the software, the person knew it was his mistake that brought everything down and became a public problem. Make the changes, blame us as vendors for causing the problem. Well, as we checked and we went through, we found that one part of the system lock was missing. Right? You have all the timestamp, timestamp, eight, one, one whole chunk from this time to this time. All the system locks are gone. You see, we will, we will start to deceive, to cover up. We have to, in order to maintain the blame game and not have it point at us. Eventually, it was exposed. Right? The blame game is a dangerous game to play. It will lead us to do these kind of deceptive things, from half-truths to just blatant, right? blatantly do anything to get off the hook. That is what it is. Right? Don't play the blame game. It's we see the dangers afterwards. Now, it becomes your mode of operation. All right? Remember that. He was like that in the beginning. He allowed himself. All the situation, the situation, the situation. Deflect, deflect, deceive, deceive. Then now he just plays it. He just does it with no reservation. Now, within deception, there is something else. All right? There is something else. Now, I want you to notice how he says things. All right? Um, now look at verse, uh, verse 20. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Now this is such a strange way of talking. Do you, do you see it? He has just been asked. Now, I thought you were supposed to obey God. He said, no, I did obey God. I did even go God's way. Now, we, brought, we, we utterly destroyed the Amalekites. We brought in King Agar of Amalek. Now, he slipped it in. He slipped in and have brought Agar, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He slipped in bringing, bringing Agar. 
He just conveniently, smoothly, right? He's a very smooth operator when it comes to this blame game. Smoothly bring it in. Now, what was he likely trying to do? Now, when I read this, it's like, why would he even dare to bring it in? Well, maybe he was trying to do this or not. I don't know, but we can do this. Now, this is called, like I mentioned, you no know, gaslighting. I mentioned to you, man, gaslighting. Gaslighting. He was being a gaslighter. Now, gaslighting is manipulating someone to begin to doubt, doubt what they are feeling, doubt what they are thinking, doubt their perception of what is reality, what is really should be, right? That is gaslighting. You are wrong, but you try to make the other person begin to feel they are the problem. He was gaslighting, right? He wanted probably to bring in, yeah, I utterly destroyed, we did all that. I have, I have, I've obeyed, I've followed. Maybe, Samuel, you forgot. Did, did you really say even, if, did you really say even the king? Did you say the king? Maybe hoping that Samuel, being old, oh yeah, you mean I didn't say Agag? You mean I say only, only Amalekites? Yeah. You see, we utterly, I have, I have. He used twice, I have obeyed, I have followed. Now, sometimes when we are caught, we deceive, and we find that we are not getting out of it, we begin to gaslight. Now, even when Samuel was talking to him, he began to be taught as if it was Samuel's fault. Samuel, I did everything, you know. Look at verse 20, right? Let's just see how he... Um, sorry, verse, yeah, verse 20. Look at how he believe, behaves. Now, Samuel, come on. Yeah, yeah, yes. Right? The famous word at home, right? Yes, daddy, yes. I have obeyed, have gone, have brought... Utterly destroyed. Let's slip it in. Now, this was not only trivializing disobedience, which God willing we'll learn next week. All right? Now, this is trying to make the situation sound like Samuel was being unreasonable. Samuel, yes, I did all this. Why are you still like that, Samuel? Parents, when you correct your child, and then they keep screaming yes, and then they look, their face looks so innocent, right? Whether it's teens as well, look so innocent, like they are so right, and then you begin, maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe, they're so convincing, right? Now, there's another gaslighting in verse 21. But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal, to sacrifice to the Lord thy God, to sacrifice. Now, Samuel, you know, you, you priests, you priests, uh, you priests need, need all these things to sacrifice. You know how difficult it is? You know, when it starts coming up, or suddenly like it's the priest's problem, right? Need sacrifices. And it's the Lord thy God, your God, you know. So it's you, the priest, you need this thing. And then, you know, your God need all the oh, best of everything, the perfect, the unblemished things. But and you priest, you need sacrifice. Now, now this gaslighting began to begin to drop hint, to drop the hint. It's not really our fault, you know, priests. You need to offer sacrifices. Your God, your God, need that kind of things. You know what? 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 What do you expect us to do? You made me do it, right? You made me do it. 
because of you, gaslighting. So now when we begin to play the blame game, let's always watch this. If it is true in our heart, now don't start to try to make someone else feel bad. Husband and wives, when you quarrel, when you have disagreements, don't play this game. Somewhere in your heart, you know you are wrong, or at least partially wrong. Wrong, partially wrong is also wrong, right? You want to make the other party feel bad so that the person will, will have to well then just say, ah, then forget it. And let's not deal with it. The only way you escape, you escape that, what? What can you do? Make the other person feel bad, right? It is you. You need me to cook every day, right? And then this thing happened, right? And the husband goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm too demanding. If you've done something wrong, you've done something wrong. Maybe the husband, right? Tell the wife, you know, you, you say, I must be like that, I must be like this, right? Then that's what happened, right? Gaslighting. Make someone else begin to doubt and begin to wonder. Maybe they are, they are unreasonable. Get off the hook. Blame successfully, right? Now, the last D, right? The last D, quickly. The last D. Now, look at verse 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voices. He have sinned. I have sinned, full stop. Learn to be like that. I have sinned, full stop. Now he became, he was being defensive. You see, constantly, stay, stop, stop, stay. All right, you say on, say on, then be defensive. Then again, again, defensive. Now he gives defensive excuses. Yes, I've sinned, but I, I need to defend my reason. Yes, I have sinned, but I need to defend my reasons. Defensive excuses. Now, I'm not saying we can never defend ourselves, right? Don't go to that um, conclusion. But we better be honest. Are we simply being defensive? Defensiveness is... Defensiveness will naturally come out if you're someone who loves to blame. You have to keep blaming and blaming and you will be more and more and more defensive. Now, you think about this again. When it comes, do you think this is, this is an excuse, a defensive excuse, or is real? Or is it real? This is very out of Saul's character. Just before this, he said, any one of you dare to eat, right? Before you avenge me of my enemies. Well, you will suffer the consequences of breaking the oath, right? Do you think that is Saul to be afraid of the people? He was willing to kill his own son, to get what he wants. Do you think he's someone that is so easily afraid of others? It was just an excuse, right? Defensiveness makes us come up with all sorts of excuses. Now, let's examine ourselves because the blame game is a dangerous game to play. Show you why. Well, in verse 20, in verse 20, now, he has already sinned. Now, he will go on and on and on. Again and again, he was given chance to come clean. But the blame game is like that. 
you will go from denying to deflecting, then to deceiving, then become more and more defensive and defensive. Now you will end up in self-deception. Because when you play the blame game, you need to be convincing. You know that in your heart. Right, child? It can be very convincing, right? You need to be convincing. And when you want to gaslight, you have to be very convincing. And over time, you will begin to even feel, yes, actually, the more you say it, yeah, come to think of it, it's true. Or come to think of it, it's really true. Come to think of it, it's really not my fault. Come to think of it. You begin to believe your own lies. See, he just kept defending and defending and defending and defending, and he speaks like as if he has now believed it himself. And it comes a point of time you can't even tell anymore whether he was or not, but this will happen to us. Your conscience will be so seared because now, the danger of this, of blame game is this. You cannot stop at one blame. It's like lying. That's why lying will be involved in the blame game. We study. Lying will cause you to have to tell another lie to cover up the initial lie. The blame game is the same. You have to come up with something else. You have to be very convincing and you come up with more and more and more lies in order for your blame game, in order for you, for you to be successful in your blame game and your conscience will be shared. Don't do that. It's a very dangerous thing. Next one. It's dangerous because you will not repent. You will not repent. You will keep going on insisting that you have not done anything wrong. Or even insisting that you have done what God wants you to do. Although you know something are not done, but it's good enough. I have done it. Now you will continue to be unrepentant and under God's anger. Don't play the blame game. Blame game is trying to get yourself off the hook. Means you do not, you will not repent. And it will become more and more like you. It will become a recurrent characteristic. We saw this beginning in chapter 13. Now he just stay on that course. No qualms to be like that. Now, the next one is you will lose your testimony. As a Christian, playing the blame game will drag the name of Christ to shame. Now, I want you to look at how he, he constantly blamed the soldiers. When I was reading, reading this, I wonder, how would the soldiers feel if they were there hearing this conversation? They obeyed him to the point of fainting to fight his enemies. They want, just went to battle with him, risking their own lives, to fight with him, side by side with him, at his orders. They did all this for him as their king. And then now, now this is the blame game characteristic. He readily threw them under the bus. You know what's the meaning of throw them under the bus? It means he readily sacrificed them and let them die to protect himself. Let them take the blame. What kind of a king is this? They wanted a king like the world. They got, they got it. They got it. The blame game makes us a coward. Makes us a coward. Because we won't want to take responsibility. And to the point where we will let someone else. And we won't care. We won't stop. Now, when you keep playing the blame game, when you get used to getting off the hook, don't be surprised that you will reach a stage where you willingly, even those that are very loyal to you, Maybe your husband, your wife, your children, your parents. You will reach a stage if you don't stop playing blame games. You got so used to being able to get off the hook. You will even throw your husband, your wife, your child under the bus. 
so that you get off the hook and you look good. That is the blame game. Don't play it. How can a man do this? How can? Now, when you play the blame game, you will eventually be exposed at your workplace. And then here you are, sharing the gospel, inviting people to church, acting all holy at work. But people see this person is playing the blame game. We all see that. We all know that. The name of Christ will be dragged through the mud because your character will be revealed. Don't play that game. You will change to worse and worse behaviors. Know that. We've seen that. Now, lastly, the dangers, all right? You will look at verse 21. Now, he says, um, well, the people took of the spoiled sheep and oxen and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Yes, we agree. We agree things should have been utterly destroyed. But he said, to sacrifice to the Lord thy God in Gilgal. To sacrifice to the Lord thy God. You know, you know how your God is, right? I said just now. You know how your God is. He expects perfect things. Where to find so many perfect things? We found that, right? To sacrifice to your Lord, your God. Now, what is he really saying now? You know, sometimes we drop hints. We drop hints without directly saying it. Now, he begins to blame God. God needs things that are so good. We cannot utterly destroy those things. No choice. God needs sacrifices. Your God. Now, dear Christians, the most dangerous and the most wicked thing about blame game, without you realizing, you will reach a stage you will blame God. Let's turn to Genesis. You see the same characteristics. That's why I said in the beginning. This is what we inherit. This is what we will do. We better watch it. Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve fell, Genesis chapter 3. Verse 13, and the Lord, verse 13, and the Lord God said unto the woman, sorry, no, verse, um, verse 12, and the, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did it. Why can't he just say, well, it's, it's, it's the woman. No, he added the woman which thou gavest to me. To me, you, Lord, now, if you didn't bring Eve along, I would not have sinned. Because it's your fault. You brought me into this situation. Of course, Eve learned it quickly. Verse, verse 13, when God turned to her, the Lord God said unto the... Uh, no, verse 13, sorry. The, and the woman said, The serpent beguiled me. The serpent. She chose to sin. Yes, the serpent beguiled her, but we, will, we can always choose not to sin. And remember, Eve was perfect. She has a perfect will to choose not to sin. The book of James reminds us that. Don't ever blame God when you fall into sin. Right? The serpent. Who, who created the serpent? Who created all creatures? Who created Satan? God. She maybe was a bit more subtle. Right? A bit more subtle. But the man was the Lord, you. Now, Christian, here, Saul had the same characteristic. We will have the same characteristic. When we begin to say, God, you know, you know, God, I did not obey you in that. God, I did not obey in this. Because God, you know, the husband, the husband that you gave me, you know how he is? Oh, you know, my wife, how disobedient she is and how she, it's, it's my wife. That's why my family is like that. We blame. 
when we don't take headship, when we don't create that environment. Well, my child, you know, my children of children brain parents. My parents were like that, therefore I became like that. Well, the situation and so on. All this, Lord, you are sovereign, you are in control, right? The fact that these things happen in your life, in reality, Lord, it was really you. We may not say it directly, like, like Saul would not say it directly, but say you, but he say your God, and it's about sacrifices. If your God did not need sacrifices and did not need this kind of perfect sacrifices, then I, I guess we would have destroyed it, right? Don't play this game with men because you will eventually play this game with God. The blame game is a very dangerous game to play. I say again, don't play this game with men because you play it long enough, you will play this game with God. That when you disobey God, you will somehow make, make it like, God, you are the one. You brought this into my life. You allowed this, and God, is not really my fault. It's a very sinful act. It incorporates all sorts of sin. You have the sin of denial, hypocrisy. You have the sin of blaming others, not taking responsibility. You have the sin of blaming God. Blame game has all sorts of very horrible sins in it. It's not just one sin. Know that. You all this need to work together for it to work. What is the solution? Quickly and we close. What is the solution? Look at verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Learn not to do this. What do I mean? Now, don't enter into a conversation when you know you have already, you know that you are wrong. You know you have done something wrong. Whether fully you, fully not you, and whatever it is, you know that you need to admit sin. And the conversation starts when you're confronted by daddy and mommy, by your boss, by anyone. The moment you know that you are wrong, don't enter into the conversation, or rather I would say, enter into the conversation with the honesty to be ready to admit sin. Don't go in with a defensiveness to quickly try and cover up. Don't. That is where the game starts rolling. You know, right? The game starts rolling. When you enter, when you start the conversation, when you're confronted, unless you go into it and if with the full intention, I have, I have not done everything. Don't, if not, you will start telling half-truths, find scapegoats, and so that. So enter into the conversation, ready to admit sin. All right, at work. Now, when you have been caught doing something wrong at work, you may, whether it's a mistake or intentional, the moment you are, don't enter into that room to see your boss with the intention to admit, you will, you will have to lie. You will have to deflect. You will have to deny. That is where it begins. Samuel, bless, blessing, blessed be you, the law of God, I have done it. He did not enter it with a readiness to admit. Second solution, all right? Well, same for spouses, all right? Now, a lot of family problems, a lot of unhappiness at home is like that. We teach each other. The wife will mirror the husband's behavior. The husband will mirror the wife's behavior. Singles, you will mirror your parents' behavior. M parents, you will mirror your child's behavior. One person starts the blame game, the other person will play the blame game along and will get worse and worse and worse. This is how it is. Now, the second solution. Look at verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, 
What is Samuel? Why is Samuel bringing this in? Why? He's saying, Saul, you have become big-headed. You have become big-headed. Now, when we get higher, whether at the workplace, you become a boss, become a lead, whether it's in church, you become a leader, whether it's at home, you know, you're the head of the home, you're the wife, all right, as parents over children. Now, the moment you get higher and higher in life, in some position, the more dangerous you are in playing the blame game. Why? Why? Face. Face. Later you see, face was so important to Saul. Face. Because of face, how can I admit fault? I have to blame someone. I have to deny that I was wrong, that I did not obey. The solution is always always realize that we are nothing in God's sight. Nothing. Why try to save face? Why? What for? So that is the second solution. Always remember, I am nothing. When you are nothing, you readily admit fault. No problem. So what? What is there to be ashamed of? I'm nobody anyway. I'm a sinner anyway. Now then, the last one. The last one. Now look at verse 21. Now, he would say, the Lord, thy God, thy God. And he suddenly he became like that, you know, the Lord, thy God. Yeah, he would say, the Lord, God, the Lord. But he would keep also bringing up thy God. Look at verse 30, all right? And I say, I will worship the Lord, thy God, thy God. Now, when God becomes impersonal, you see, when we want to play the blame game, at the same time, we know that God is omniscient. We know this is God. I better don't play the fool with him. But when we somehow convince ourselves it's someone else's God, God is impersonal. God doesn't look directly at me. God is not observing me. It's thy God. Now we forget that he is omniscient. He is also very close to us. He knows every single thought and intention in our hearts. Just because you feel like it's uh, impersonal, come on, God, he's God, you're God and all that, it's very impersonal, it doesn't change a thing. God knows exactly. Now, in other words, always remember, he is your God. But Christian, are you saved? Or so, uh, shall, shall I say, here, are you saved? Truly saved? But if you're a saved person, know that he is your God. You cannot run away from him. The solution is to remember that. He is thy God as well. You can't escape. So children, you can't escape. You can fool daddy and mommy. You can blame someone else successfully. But if you're a child of God, he is your God. And even if you're not a child of God, God knows what is exactly your intention and purpose in your heart. He starts to say, thy God, thy God. He reaches a stage where he knows that he has to try and ease his conscience and try and delineate himself from the living God who knows him. By saying, thy God, he thinks it is fine. So Christian, these are some solutions. Remember these things. Don't play the blame game. Start off by being ready to admit it. Know that God sees, no matter how you blame and can convince others and can guess like others, God knows. Please remember that. If not, sooner or later, you will play the blame game with God as well. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. What 397, 397, shall we rise? 397, let's sing this sincerely, 397.